Hi, my name is Sibley Fleming, and this is Hometown Yoga, the podcast that spotlights real people in the yoga community sharing conversations of insight and hope. In this episode, we're joined by Atlanta yoga teacher Indalea Samama, who will be talking to us about a critical topic, depression. Welcome, Indalea. Thank you, Sibley. I'm excited to be here. So glad to have you. Um, would you mind giving us a brief self-introduction? Tell us who you are and how you came to yoga. Sure. Um, I'm Indalea Samama, born and raised on the west side of Atlanta. Um, I am an educator um, and also a yoga instructor. And I've been practicing yoga for over 10 years, probably like 12, 13 years. And I actually, oh. I took my first class when I was in my early 20s. I took it at the YMCA and I hated it. It was like a vinyasa flow class and there were like 40 people in the room and it didn't feel good in my body. And I was like, this is not for me. Um, I was doing Tai Chi at the time and I was like, Tai Chi is for me, yoga's not. <laughs> um, fast forward about seven years. Um, I lived in Washington, D.C., and I got fired from my job as a oh. career counselor, and there was a yoga studio that opened up a few blocks from my house, and so that was like my new job. I went to yoga like two times a day, and that's the thing I did to kind of sustain myself. Definitely not financially, but mentally, psychologically, spiritually. Um, and that's when I got connected to the practice. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So um, you now teach a variety of classes from slow to go, and they encompass all ages, races, body types, and backgrounds across Metro Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but you also have an upcoming workshop entitled Yoga for Depression, and that's soon, right? Yep, that's the 29th of February, um, and it's a workshop that I dreamt up a long time ago that was um, came out of my experience with depression and how yoga has helped me with that and wanting to kind of share that with other people and create a safe space for people to talk about their depression and also like create um, an opportunity to heal. What is the science uh, behind yoga for depression? First question. So there's quite a bit of science out there and studies that have been done. Um, some of it, like there's studies that show that it can boost your serotonin levels. Um, there's um, restorative yoga in particular can activate your parasympathetic, the kind of rest and digest system, which can help with anxiety as well as depression. It can take people into a healing space. Um, a lot of breath work is done, so it can affect heart rate. That can have a positive effect on people's moods um, and energy levels. So there's a lot of science out there. And then there's the kind of yoga Ayurvedic science that has to do with the yoga energy of prana, which is similar to the Chinese energy of chi. And so physical elements and psychological elements are believed to come from a block in the flow of pranic energy. And so anything, including depression, if you are open, able to open those channels, then you can begin to experience more or less depression and more elevated moods and feelings and also all that physical stuff can also you know begin to be alleviated so 
that's part of the science, right? And there's all these little things yeah. that I like to experiment with and yoga for depression. Okay, I can't wait to talk about your workshop. I'm, I'm really excited to um, dig into that. But first, let me ask you um, one other question about your personal experience with yoga and depression. At what point did you realize, in your practice, did you realize that, hey, this might be a tool for me? Um, I think it was not necessarily a conscious thing that I realized. I think when, like I said, when I lost my job, I kind of didn't have direction, I didn't have a routine, and so going to a place um, that I could just come as I was, and for me it was important to get out of my head, um, that became a healing and nurturing space. Um, I really kind of started to experience the effects of it when I was going through my 200 hour teaching training, um, which I had no idea that it would be such you know, such a spiritual experience um, and such a psychologically intense experience. Um, and so during my training, I was able to feel something really interesting. When I got into that low space, I wanted to go to yoga and I knew that there would be some relief in that. Oh. Um, and also I had some trauma come up from my childhood and I was able to kind of deal with that and go to some natural healing practitioners and work with my therapist. And I, I believe there's a direct connect between trauma and depression. And so I was able to work through some of that. Um, so yeah, there's, it's been a space for me that's been really radically healing. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for opening up and sharing your experience with listeners. Now, would you mind describing your Yoga for Depression workshop and tell us who would get the most benefit from attending. Definitely. Um, so Yoga for Depression is what I describe as a creative workshop. And so I tell people that we will not be doing yoga the entire time. We will be doing yoga maybe two thirds of the time. And then the other third we will be doing, um, we'll be writing, we'll be doing some artistic expression. So there'll be some drawing, um, there'll be some coming together and sharing of experiences. There'll be some games that we play so we can cultivate some laughter and some joy. Um, and then there will also be some breath work, um, pranayama, and then there will be the physical um, yoga practice of asana. Um, so we do all of that together. And then we kind of open it up with a declaration of, you know, my philosophy on depression. Um, and part of that is getting rid of the stigma of depression. Part of that is fighting against the temptation to isolate when you're um, in a depressive space. Part of that is recognizing the relationship between trauma and injustice and oppression um, and externalizing some of that instead of taking it all in. And so it's really important for me that we create a space where you can just come as you are and be, but also not have to feel like depression is this thing that you're carrying alone. That's so huge, and I know a lot of people are, are, are going to welcome this message. Um, and so the workshop is for anybody that is experiencing and managing depression in their lives. Um, I welcome anybody in any state, come as you are, um, anybody dealing with depression. What is the actual definition of depression? It, it seems so broad, it is, and is it really an epidemic? So those are some interesting questions. Um, I'm not a licensed therapist, um, but 
some of the definitions of depression have to do with a list of symptoms, right? And so one of them is a lack of interest in the things in life that used to give you interest before. Um, your symptoms like disturbed sleep, um, change in eating patterns, um, all these symptoms that kind of affect your daily life. Um, so that's, that's the technical or a summary of the technical definition, but I think it has to do with um, being stuck in an emotional space and also being stuck energetically. And this can come from trauma. Um, some of it is just biochemical. Um, some of it is grief and emotional things that people deal with. Um, some of it has to do with the grind of daily life and people not creating space for themselves. Mm -hmm. I think all of those things, people can begin to internalize them emotionally and psychologically and get stuck in this dark place that is really difficult to come out of. So that's my definition. In your workshop, you integrate breathing and movement with artistic expression. Can you describe how this might benefit a person with depression? Definitely. I'm, with depression, I think it's important to get out of your head and your emotional body and get into the physical body. That can be very useful. Um, I also, when I talk about depression being a kind of blockage, I think that artistic expression can move some of that energy out. Mm. And so when there are things that you can't necessarily articulate, and depression is one of those things that is different for everyone and it's very challenging to put into words sometimes, that the best way to express it can be artistically, right? And so that can mean drawing, that can mean singing, that could mean dancing. Um, a lot of that can be, be, be accessed through yoga. Um, and a lot of that can be accessed through art. And some of that can be accessed through play. And so I think it's, for me, it was important that we just not move our bodies. And yoga is, the physical practice of yoga is amazing. But I also think it's important for us to get into those artistic spaces, to use our breath, um, and to use our common experiences. Okay, that, that's interesting. So in your experience, do you find that depression is, is, I guess, different in some way for creative people? Or, or do you think we all have creative abilities that just need to be awakened? I think both of those things are true. I think that we all have creative abilities that just need to be awakened. But I also think that people who resonate with art and creativity can definitely experience depression at a different level and with a different frequency. Um, and I talked to my teacher about this a lot. Um, she talks about how yoga can move you from the physical body to the subtle body, which is kind of our energetic space that we don't necessarily see, but the energy and the emotions and the spirit that surrounds us. And so what my teacher told me is that you easily access the subtle body, right? And you oftentimes get stuck there and that can look like depression and some other mental health things. And so for you, you use yoga to get back into the physical body and to find grounding. Mm. And I think that that can be true for a lot of people dealing with depression is that you get stuck in that metaphysical space, that emotional space and that cognitive space and that yoga can be used to help you get into the body um, and so I think yeah creative people 
I think, tend to hang out in that subtle space, uh, in that emotional space, in that creative space. Uh, and so I think that's why depression and mental health stuff can happen with more frequency. And that's not to say that people are not creative, don't deal with depression in very intense ways, but I do think there's a, there's a connection there. Between creativity and depression. Definitely. Okay, and then, so, what is life beyond depression? What's that mean? What, what's that feel like? So, I mean, this is something that I've come up with, and I think that there's different schools of thought on depression. And I have practitioners, I have a psychiatrist, I have a therapist, I have a shaman, I have all these different practitioners and ways that I manage my depression. Um, but for me, no matter what anybody tells me, right, I believe that there can be life beyond depression, right? And I think that healing can happen. And so that might not mean that you never experience depression in your life, but that you're able to manage it, that you have tools, and that there are things in your life that you can focus on and grow that happen beyond depression and can happen simultaneously with depression. So part of yoga for depression is that Yoga is not about getting rid of all the bad and experiencing all good. It's about the union of those two things. So if you can bring the dark spaces and the light spaces together and they all become one thing, I think that you can achieve what we call life beyond depression because you're not stuck in one side of it. That you're able to deal with the whole and be, be your whole self. States and throughout the West, yoga has been viewed as a sort of workout for skinny white women. I mean, that's a stereotype. But that's not the whole truth in Atlanta because we have a very vibrant African-American yoga scene. Uh, you know, you may have seen that recent story um, that ABC reported about more black men practicing yoga to relieve emotional stress. And there are overall more black instructors and culturally sensitive spaces located in urban areas now than ever before. What, what are your thoughts about this? I think it's great. I think Atlanta is such a black mecca. And I think that the yoga, the black yoga community, the POC yoga community is growing, um, particularly more than in other spaces, but there is lots more space to grow. Um, you know, there's a few studios that are owned by black folks, but there need to be more. And there need to be more spaces. Um, there need to be more instructors. Um, and so I think while there's progress, I think me coming into yoga, and even when I practice yoga now, I practice in majority white spaces. And I oftentimes have the biggest body in the room. And I'm like a size 12. So <laughs> you're not good. <laughs> right. And so I think that we have to, I think representation matters. I think opportunity and accessibility um, matters. Uh, I think that yoga trainings are expensive, right? Um, mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to be able to do a work exchange to supplement some of the payment for mine. Um, but I think um, more accessibility to training, more accessibility to classes, um, classes are expensive nowadays, um, 
and really bringing yoga into the community is what's needed because it's, you know it's not just about practicing the physical practice and getting in shape and get you know and losing weight mm-hmm. and getting your butt kicked when you're doing yoga right there's <laughs> the healing restorative part of it there's the the philosophy um, and so I think that the African American community can really benefit from the practice um, and so I'm excited about what's happening I'm excited about you know the possibility of the growth of yoga being accessible to everybody, particularly African-Americans. What's your advice for a person of color who wants to try yoga for the first time? What do you advise? I mean, I advise seeking out those studios that have more diversity, those studios that are owned by African-Americans. There's a couple, there's Southwest Yoga, there's Sacred Chill Yoga, um, there's Yellow Mat Yoga, um, there's All Life is Yoga, which is owned by Rotu. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I teach at All Life is Yoga. And so I think there are spaces. There's a really cool um, black yoga meetup that happens. I haven't been, but I follow them on social media. Um, there's, um, there's hip-hop yoga. There's trap yoga. So there's stuff out there where you can find people that look like you, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So I would say seek that out. Um, But my advice would really be to white studio owners and white yoga teachers to create a space where everybody's welcome. And I don't think anybody's intentionally leaving people out, but I think there are things that you can do to reach more people that that yoga studios have to be intentional about finding more students of color. I mean, more um, teachers of color, which attracts more students of color. And I think there should be more affordable classes. I know a lot of yoga studios, you know, some of them are making big bucks and some of them are not. Um, So I know that that's a loaded issue, but I do think community classes. I used to go to a community class at a studio in New York, and that was the most diverse class. When I started going to Nirvana Yoga in Atlanta, I started going to the $5 class. I think that's where you get the most diversity at Nirvana. Um, And so I think that, yeah, I think that the, the accessibility is a big thing. And so I think... While black people need to go out and seek and be bold about finding what they need, um, white people who are dominating the yoga industry need to be intentional about creating spaces where everybody's included and for, you know, creating opportunities for leadership and accountability. Great, great points. And anything else? Um, yeah, I mean, practice at home on your mat, right? You know, like cultivate your own practice. Um, Jen, who was in our training, um, she started out practicing, you know, watching YouTube videos. And so, and there's, there's tons of diversity there. If you just look for the right folks, um, I think you can come to the practice in a lot of different ways. And then we also haven't talked about the practice, like the physical practice is just one part of it. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, be, be practicing the ethical practices of yoga and be a yogi. Yeah. Which is so, and um, speaking of, I think you're talking about um, yoga teacher Jen Hardy, um, yes. I, and it was Down Dog app. The oh, Down yeah, Dog. She, she put me on to that one too. Yep. <laughs> Do you believe that yoga can help heal racial trauma, and why? How? This is a really good question. Um, I think that yoga can help heal all types of trauma, right? And so I think racial trauma is one of them. Um, I think the practice of 
getting into your body of um, of the union, the yoking, which yoga is about unifying. So taking your experiences and integrating them and getting into your whole self. I think all of that can be healing for trauma. Um, but I think that in order to for yoga to heal trauma, um, that yoga spaces have to stop perpetuating oppression. And so I think if you're able to create a space and create a practice, uh, um, you can begin to heal. But I think it can be a challenge if you're going into spaces that feel oppressive or um, that where you feel excluded. So, but I think there's, um, I went to a training Get her name. <laughs> I went to a training about specifically this about I'm um, using yoga to heal racial um, trauma, and so we talked a lot about the trauma we've experienced with people of color, um, and then we went into restorative yoga practices to move that energy to do some healing, and then we would talk some more, and then we'd go into that space, and that was very beneficial. We talked a lot about um, the triggers that happen and how we can reframe triggers and use them as motivation for healing. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to heal racial trauma. The, um, and that's beautiful. Um, and what, again, like, what do you say to the um, white yoga community in terms of making spaces that are culturally sensitive and non-oppressive because yoga is supposed to be non-violent after right. all, isn't right. it? Right. Well, I think that um, white studio owners, um, white teachers have to just be asking these questions. I think it's just not on a lot of people's radar. Um, I think thinking about like looking at your class and looking at the diversity or lack of diversity and asking why. Right. Um, I think that's where it starts. Um, I think that once you begin to, I think you have to bring people of color into the process. Right. You have to partner with people of color. Um, you have to ask and invite. Right. Uh -huh. um, folks into the spaces. Um, and then you have to share power. <laughs> right. Right. So uh -huh. like go into business with a person of color or really think about hiring, you know, teachers of color um, and compensating them fairly and be very intentional about that. Um, talk, when you talk about poses, um, really be conscious about making sure that the cues you are giving are for all bodies, mm -hmm. right? Um, making sure that you're culturally sensitive um, when talking about people and spaces and philosophy and experiences. Um, you know, I try, it's a practice for me as well. I want to make sure everybody's included in my classes, right? And so I have to constantly think about things that I say. I mean, I have a student um, who's visually impaired and I'm always like, look over here, look over there. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but I, I you know, I'm asking myself the question, is that the right cue when, when someone in this class is visually right, impaired, right? right. Um, and so, yeah, I think about, I was using this cue, um, drop the flesh of your buttocks and then I looked around at the buttocks around me and I was like that doesn't make sense to half of the class I need to give another cue <laughs> right so there are things like that you know constantly be thinking about how the things you're saying are going to land 
and how you're going to create the space and make it more accessible and safe for everybody there. Okay, that, that's awesome insight and advice, and there's a lot of meat in there um, to really chew on, for the yoga community at large to chew on. The restorative yoga for race-based trauma training in Dalea was referring to was facilitated by Dr. Gail Parker at Sacred Chill West. It's been such a pleasure to hear your insights on depression. Would you share the details for anyone interested in attending this workshop or a future uh, Yoga for Depression workshop? Definitely. Um, the, yoga, the next Yoga for Depression workshop is Saturday, February 29th. It's at Mystic Lotus Yoga, which is in Cabbage Town. It's 97 Astoria Street. Um, it's 2 to 5.30 p.m. Um, you can register at www.mysticlotusyoga.com and go to the workshop page and you'll see me right there. Um, and no, everyone, um, no one is turned away due to lack of funds. So there's a sliding scale. Um, and anybody that reaches out to me, um, no one is turned away because of lack of funds. So I want to make sure this is available for everybody. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much. Namaste. Namaste.